gray sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. So right, it can't be wrong. Rocking and rolling all week long. Hello everyone, this is Dan, your host for Rockin' All Week With You, Happy Days Podcast. We have started Season 5, Season 5, Episode 1. Hooray! We are in 1977, if you can believe it. We are in the second of three in a row of uh, hour-long episodes, um, beginning this season. Seasons 4, 5, and 6 begin with hour-long episodes. Season 7 begins with a crossover. Season 9 begins with another hour-long. But the thing with 4, 5, and 6 is they all end with some sort of to be continued so you get an hour long this is hollywood part one and two and uh, and i've said to you before i know i said during fonzie loves pinky um why this hour-long episode is called part one and two and this would have been the first one you saw and the second one you saw is technically called hollywood part three huh how does that make sense it's and i've said this before and i'll probably say this again when i get to guessword ho for the next season when they do a uh, I show this regularly a half hour long when they do an extended episode it's considered by the production team to be two episodes so when they did this to us watching it it was Hollywood and then next week it was Hollywood part two the conclusion but to the production team it would have been Hollywood part one and part two and it, when it got for syndication it would have been split into part one and part two and in fact the DVD unlike uh, season four and season six DVDs which has an hour long version of the episode uh this one splits it the hollywood part one and hollywood part two um i guess i'll talk about that real quick since since i'm here right now and then i'll give you a little breakdown it, it, but it's in interesting in that when you watch it on the dvd it gets to a point i believe it's at the end of their like campfire on the beach and richie is kissing his new gal and then it says just to be continued not really a cliffhanger not really an ending just the stopping point and then the credits roll, then you pop in part two, the credits roll, and then it immediately goes to the Fonz and Richie in a limo being dropped off at the Paramount Studios with sort of a voiceover where Richie is kind of like, come on, Fonz, we got to get up because you know that we have to go down to the studio and be there by six o'clock. You know, he gives like a bunch of exposition uh, to us as to what's going on, which, which would have worked really nicely. Well, which works really nicely at the beginning of the uh, the second part, but was possibly not there, although it may have been there in the original hour-long version, I'm not sure. But anyway, the thing you will notice is that there is no last week on Happy Days, or last time on Happy Days in part two. It just goes directly to it. So I'm imagining this is probably the like the original. When they, when they prepared it, it was probably prepared as the hour-long episode, which we all saw and watched, which is probably the number one show of that week and uh, then it was prepared in the syndicated version, and then they would have possibly added a next last time on Happy Days, or, or not. Uh, so, so yeah, and this, this was the season. Last season, Happy Days was number one. Laverne Shirley was number two. This season, they switched. Laverne Shirley is number one. Happy Days is number two. And let me give you a little plot breakdown for this hour-long episode, and then play a little blast of something, and then we'll talk about it. Um, uh, two things. One, uh, I am in a different recording location for this episode, so it's, I'm coming in a little quieter than I usually am, and there's a lot of outside noise, so forgive me. And second, well, I am in Los Angeles, so I am not too far from Paramount Studios and not too far from the beach where they go. So, you know, just, just chuck it up. Imagine how loud that is. Chalk, 
chalk that up to that huh how about that i don't know if that makes sense but anyway that's one and two is that uh yeah this episode may not be as long as the other ones just because it's uh, it's the hour-long episode but anyway uh, in this episode they uh the Fonz meets a hollywood talent uh scout who's who was in driving i don't know where he's driving from uh he was he he he, he saw some talent in chicago they're looking for the new james dean his car broke down he meets the Fonz and gives the Fonz like a card and says fly out to hollywood i want to give you a screen test to be the new james dean and he's bringing and and the Fonz is bringing um Potsy and Ralph along with him and leaving his cousin Chachi, who, well, we'll talk about him in a minute, in charge of the garage. I thought the Fonz didn't really have a family. I thought that was the point of, like, the Christmas episode, was that he was all alone. And yet, we've met Spike, and then we met that other Goomba in the last episode, in the last season, the one who could flip all the quarters. Where are all these these cousins coming out of the woodwork? What's going on? I don't know. I'm sorry. Anyway... What was I saying? Oh yeah, and and the, the Cunninghams are. It's summer. It's it is the summer after the previous season ended, um, which ended with um, uh, uh, Richie graduated from high school, and Joni, I believe she becomes a sophomore. Uh, she she says she becomes a sophomore um, uh, right after she graduates, and so this is in that summer. So it's still 1959, as far as I'm concerned. And Mr. C wants to take them to, like, the Leopard Lodge convention, which is in Milwaukee. None of them want to do that as a vacation. When they hear the Fonz is going to Hollywood, they all go to Hollywood. They arrive in Hollywood. They stay at the Hollywood Palms Hotel Motel, um, which is right near the beach. So it's actually not in Hollywood because Hollywood itself is not right near the beach. Um, but they're, they're staying there, and they spend a lot of time on the beach, and they all kind of meet assorted new playmates well yeah I, I i don't know that ralph does actually i don't know that ralph meets someone new but they all sort of meet assorted new love interests um and potsy does i guess or at least some gals look at him longingly hmm. um and uh yeah and, and they're there and they hang out and they're having fun and they meet um they meet this 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 guy this I, I don't know that he's a jerk kind of a pompous water skiing guy who calls himself I think the California kid and um he doesn't like the way Fonz is pulling in as many girls as he is and challenges the Fonz to water skiing slalom even though the Fonz has never water skied before it doesn't seem like a fair competition to me but anyways uh yeah uh, Richie goes with the Fonz for the screen test and Richie reads the part along with the Fonz who overacts a bit um the the director of the screen test um was in the army in the previous scene i guess he was he's only in the army reserve i I don't know you'll recognize him when you see him you'll go oh that guy again did they run out of guys like that did they or did they say you know what we want a character actor to play the director who was like that guy in the army not um not linda k henning um uh we want we want the um we want the uh, a guy like that, and so they brought them the, him that guy. Uh, so anyway, and uh, as um, as the Fonz is doing some with Richie driving the boat, doing some water skiing uh, stuff, uh, we learn that a shark has been caught off the off the coast and has been put in a cage uh, not too far from shore. And you see like a, a kind of a cage sticking up out of the ground and a shark fin and music that resembles the theme for Jaws. Uh, we learned that the Fonz uh, tanked his screen test. They didn't like him, but they liked Richie, and they want to give Richie a contract. The Fonz hears this and isn't happy with Richie, 
and um, there's some tension there, but you know that's that's like you remember in the previous season that episode where where the Fonz got mad at Mrs. C, um, and it was kind of super contrived, and you knew it wouldn't last. That's the way this lasts. Uh, they do the big slalom, and it's a tie. And the episode ends with Richie and Fonzie making making friends, and Richie trying to decide whether or not he's going to stay in Hollywood and sign this contract. I think you might know the answer to that already without having to watch the next part. And the very closing is someone... Oh, um, the California kid's assistant who uh, does imitates Jack Benny all the time uh, says, Hey, I know a way we can break the tie. Jump the shark. And the Fonz thinks it's a stupid idea to jump the shark. But everyone kind of goads him into it. And so the next, I think the next day they're going to have a water skiing competition where they jump the shark. And that's that's Hollywood parts one and two or just Hollywood part one. Uh, let me play a little bit of music and I will be right back and we'll, we'll dive into the episode. is going to be one of the episodes where even though i said in all seriousness and very concretely during the opening that this is set in 1959 because it's set after the high school graduation there are several things that um well one big thing that is going to happen that may make it set several years later although that doesn't make any sense again um uh sim- simply because of Okay, let's discuss the timing here. Uh, so I say it's 1959. Now, now, surfing people were surfing in California in 1959. That's fine. There weren't any beach party movies per se yet. I mean, the first big one was Where the Boys Are, 1960. But Where the Boys Are is kind of a dour, sad film that is going to teach you lessons whether you want to or not. Beach party films really began in, what was it, 63 when the beach party, beach party premiered through American International. There were seven of those. I, I, I love saying all the titles if I can in order. It's Beach Party, Muscle Beach Party, Bikini Beach, a Pajama Party, Beach Blanket Bingo, How to Stuff a Wild Bikini, and The Ghost in the Visible Bikini. If you want to go to the precursor of the Beach Party movie, don't go to Where the Boys Are. Go to The Ghost of Dragster Apollo from 1959. Uh, it is written by Lou Rossoff, R- Rossoff, who wrote Beach Party. And it is basically a beach party movie, um, but uh, in one three three instead of two three five in black and white instead of color, um, much more succinct. Beach party is like ninety five minutes, and Ghost of Dragster Apollo is sixty five minutes, and I prefer Ghost of Dragster Apollo. But they're both imagine a beach party, but set with like a bunch of drag racing teens in like a small club and then a haunted house. That's um, that that's more precursor. Um, the, just the way Lou Rossoff writes it is very much Beach Party-ish esque. So the thing that throws our an, an, an issue into the timing again, if it were the '60s, if it were the '60s, then they would have, I think, gone out of their way to say, "Hey, this is 1960 in some way, shape, or form." But they haven't. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we're still in 1959. Because they haven't said it's 1960. Possibly it's the summer of 1960. I don't completely buy it. And again, 
keep keep an eye on Joni because Joni is still growing up. I mean, she's she's pretty much there now, but she's got a little bit more to do. Or maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's actually there now. I feel like she's 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 not quite there. This is I, I think let's say she's. It's tough because because they have her stand in front. Her and Chachi stand up close to one another, and Chachi is really tiny here. But in like two seasons or so, what by season seven when Chachi is a regular, full on regular character, and not appearing in all sorts of other sitcoms, he will be taller than Joni. So I think Joni is as tall as she is going to get, which is about as tall as the Fonz. And but I guess I guess she's kind of as as grown up as she's going to be. Um, the tricky thing is, yeah, I, I don't want to say she is just because we could use her as our gauge. If she was still growing, then that meant that um, we were some sort of linear mode. But the moment, like, everyone's grown up, then we can jump around all we want. So, um, but but this is still, I mean, to me, this it's very clearly stated. This is the last summer before college. And previously, we were in 1959. So this is the summer of 1959. The problem is that Potsy sings in a very strange scene, which I'll talk about later, sings uh, We Used to Love Me Tomorrow, the, the Carole King um, tune uh, that the Shirelles uh, released the single in November of 1960. Which means that it, for everyone to know the song and everything, this is summer of 1961. Which means uh, this is two years ahead of where I think it should be. And um, and unless Richie took two years off before going to college, and, and I mean, at this point, if this is 1961, then what, Joni should be, Joni should be going in as a senior into high school, and she's clearly not, and Richie should be going into his third year of college, which he's clearly not. So, is this set 1959 or 1961? Is this set 1959 or 1961? I'm gonna still say I'm gonna stick with 1959. I'm gonna stick with the, the song is wrong, and there's actually something about the way Potsy sings the song that makes me think, maybe, yeah, maybe it is. I mean, here's here's what it is. Go to the scene where Potsy's singing the song. They're around a campfire. He pulls out the old acoustic guitar and starts singing the song. Listen to him. Be listen to the 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 arrangement, the the backing music there before he starts singing. And you tell me, what song is he going to start singing? Because he starts strumming the guitar, and then in the background you hear some other musicians playing, presumably they're in the dark, and some strings. And that's that. All, all that stuff starts playing. And the moment he starts singing, it feels weird because the arrangement, the lead-up, the, the music, the lead-up to him singing could have been for anything. I mean, whenever he starts singing that, I was thinking, oh, that's right, he's singing this song. And then listen to the arrangement, and then listen to him singing. The arrangement rarely seems to match what he's singing. Like when he gets to the chorus and things get a little more emotional, the music really doesn't do much. The strings go a little higher for a moment, but that's about it. And it's, it's really weird to, to listen to because the, the arrangement doesn't match the singing which is really strange, which is why I'm giving it out, because I'm thinking that Carol King and her partner there wrote this song in 1959, but didn't sell it until 1960, and I think maybe Potsy wandering around L.A. or Santa Monica or something, like, maybe heard someone singing the song, or so, I don't know, 
but but here's a strange arrangement of the song and that's what it is so this is a pre Shirelles version of the song which um uh was available in the summer of 1959 just because the Shirelles made it they're a big hit doesn't mean that other people didn't record it first so that's my story i'm sticking by it this is the summer of 1959 how was the episode overall oh it's pretty contrived um it's very contrived, in, in fact. Um, uh, I, I I forgot to say who who wrote it. I mean, because it's obviously it's, it's a it's a Jerry Paris, um, as as all of them are from now on. Just I, I accidentally closed my notes here. Uh, see, story by Joe Glauberg and Roger Garrett. Uh, tell by Joe Glauberg and Walter Kempler. So three people wrote this, and um, I mean it is very contrived uh, the way it goes. Um, but then I guess a lot of sitcoms are. Um, the the thing the thing with this one is this is this one gets this one is so contrived i mean almost everything like the opening scene with the talent agent and the fonz and the next scene where we're going to this place the fawn shows up i'm going here now we're going here to um you know the only the only you know the least contrived scene is the scene with lauren green you know and everything is like you know um yeah everything's really contrived the the way the way richie meets his gal pal in the episode the way fonzie meets his gal pal played by lorette sprang um uh the way they meet the california kid who happens to be the cousin of the gal that richie just met five minutes ago and he happens to see her while he's water skiing and, and approaches them you know from the fact that oh there's a shark over there to um oh we didn't like fonzie we liked richie to oh i hate richie now because of that to oh i don't really hate richie anymore it's also contrived <laughs> it's it's um I think I think that whether you not whether or not you enjoy the episode is whether or not you can enjoy all the contrivances. Weird part about it too is you'd think with all these contrivances and things that everyone would get stuff to do. The weird thing with the episode is that Mr. and Mrs. C get some stuff to do, but it's basically Fonzie and Richie who get stuff to do. Potsy sings, but doesn't do much else. Ralph makes a couple of jokes. And at one point when he's pitching himself to the Hollywood talent agent, he says, I do comedy. Watch this. Hey, good evening, ladies and germs. How am I doing, Potsy? And I thought that you you think that's... The, I'm, I'm sure there was a time when good evening, ladies and germs broke people up. But good evening, ladies and germs just became sort of a standard goofball opening for a time. And I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone actually laugh at good evening, ladies and germs. I guess the fact that Ralph thinks... The fact that Ralph thinks these guys are going to laugh at that means Ralph maybe isn't as funny as he thinks he is. Possibly. Anyway, yeah, Ralph and Potsy don't get much to do. Um, it looks like Joni's going to get stuff to do because she, she does a bunch in the beginning and then she, she's got her bikini. We'll talk about her bikini in a minute. And then you see her with like a bunch of bodybuilder guys who lift her up into the air. And then you see her being tossed like on a blanket. And, you, and then you see her sitting with the guy who's got his arm around her. You think she's going to do stuff. But she ends up not doing it. The major thing she does is show off her bikini in the episode. And um, you think something's going to develop there, but it doesn't. But then you also think like something more is going to happen with Richie and his the gal he meets. But she's kind of bland and doesn't seem to be keeping up with the sitcom that's going on around her. And she seems more interested in the fact that Richie has a script with him, which doesn't really go 
anywhere although maybe maybe she thinks you know if she goes out with him a little bit more you know and his, his friend um gets big or he gets big you know um in in hollywood then then she'll have a chance with the script or the etc the fonz he does seem to want to be the next james dean but he doesn't seem to particularly care too much and his power overacting is slightly embarrassing uh and there's something too about he, wearing the weather, leather jacket, the white T-shirt, black socks, black shoes, and the, that blue bathing suit, which actually looks like it's a pair of boxer shorts, um, to me, that it's kind of like the baby blue boxer shorts. I, I actually find Fonz to be a little embarrassing when he's out on the beach. It's really not his place. Now the gals still love him because he has that magnetism, but I find him a little embarrassing. And when the California kid starts talking to him and they start ribbing each other back and forth, the California kid doesn't have any good lines, but that's because he's meant to be the bad guy. But he's not really the bad guy. This is his home turf. A couple of guys from Milwaukee are, are honing in on it. They'll, they'll be gone in a few days. So it's, it's one of those things where if he hadn't seen his cousin from how far away was he that he saw his cousin? She's not even on the edge of the water. She's like way back on the beach, and she, he sees his kid. If he hadn't yelled out to her and come on over to say hi to her, then he would never have met the Fonz and Richie, and they would have been gone in a few days, and this never would have happened. Do you see what I mean when I say contrived? There's a shark. They caught a shark and put it out right there before Marineland can come and pick it up. I don't mean to be rude, but Marineland ain't that far away, or wasn't that far away at that time. Uh, from uh, from there. So why it's taking Marineland so long to come over and get that flipping shark, I have no idea. Uh, and yes, yes, two years before this, the biggest movie, Night City 5, was Jaws. So this is obviously a Jaws reference. This is them using Jaws. Um, and obviously this, to this, it, it's, it's interesting that Jaws was the big blockbuster two years ago, but at this time that this, this, um, this episode aired, Fonzie Mania has been crazy over like the past year or so, but now something new is coming to pop culture. Star Wars. Star Wars premiered in May of '77, and didn't didn't premiere huge, but then obviously became huge. So by this point, Star Wars is the huge thing and is taking over, and science fiction is becoming um, the thing. And and to be honest, um, them going to getting involved in a beach party actually suddenly seems very old hat because when 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 happy day started it was uh in 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 um uh opposition to the norman lear type shows the modern shows which were loud and kind of ugly looking and brass and full of insults and all sorts of issues and social issues and things and and happy days took us back to a simpler time not really, but you know what I mean simpler time with more sitcom style stories the occasion they did socially kind of social things but more sitcom kind of stories and a different kind of storytelling but and that lasted for a while and obviously the fact that they're number two this season and huge and they would again be huge the next season um means that people are still watching but there is something about the fact that now something else pop culture wise star wars has overtaken like the fonz of fonz mania so something about them going back to the beach hey um circa 1959 I'm sticking with 1959, uh, Circa. Uh, there's something with them going back to the beach that ends up feeling really uh, not anti-Diluvian. Uh, what's the word? I'm gonna, and, uh, archaic compared to the fact that sci-fi is now uh, all the rage, all the crazy. I mean, look at um, the uh, uh, in November, December 
of 77, Battle of the Network Stars, um, uh, 77 is what it's called, the third Battle of the Network Stars, has all sorts of Star Wars-esque imagery like around it. So pop culture is changing, but luckily Happy Days of the Vern Shirley are still able to hang on. But um, the, the Fonz does, I think, look out of place and look, look kind of just goofy in this episode to me. I mean, I gotta understand if he sunburns badly, but why not? I mean, and he's got the legs. He just looks goofy to me. He 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 really looks goofy to me, and he he never looks comfortable. Like there, there's a moment where he's sitting with all the gals, and the California kid insults him, and he goes to stand up, and the camera's on him, and the girls around him, and and he begins to stand up, and then it cuts to him, you know, rising the shot, having stood up. You don't see him standing up from that sort of sitting position in the sand because I fear that he would have lost his footing slightly in the stand or not been able to stand up properly. Um, and and it's just, he, he, he looks out of place, he feels out of place. Um, and, I mean, I guess he water skis okay, but I, I'd read that Henry Winkler was a water skier, so that's why they use water skiing in this water skis okay he, he you know he does the fonts thing where he doesn't know how to water ski and then in a couple hours he becomes an absolute master at it and that worked more in milwaukee here i i don't quite buy, i didn't quite buy it but that's okay i mean i still love the fonts i still love richie you know richie obviously gets a bunch to do you know he meets the gal he talks with the fonts a lot before the audition they go to the audition together then he loses the fonts friendship for a bit and then you know gets it back um and there is something funny f- funny and exciting about Richie getting offered this contract because he's really there to help a friend, obviously, to help his good friend. He said, you know, the, the Fonz has helped him so many times. You know, it's the most he can do to help the Fonz here. And, um, I, I mean, like I said, the scene with Richie and his new girlfriend, um, it, it doesn't... There, I mean, she's cute, he's cute, but there's no, there's no chemistry, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. There's never, there's never a feeling of, yeah, like Lorette Sprang when she's all over the Fonz. Um, she's doing the heavy lifting there because, the, like I said, the Fonz just kind of looks goofy and inappropriate for where he is. So she's doing the heavy lifting. But like Ron Howard and, and the actress who plays the, his, uh, Richie's, Richie's love in this, um, they, they don't have much chemistry to me. There, there's not much there. And ending sort of the first part on the two of them kissing on the beach i guess is okay but like i said the 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 moment when she says oh is that a script and then becomes interested in him to me that's what she's doing she's trying to you know oh can you can you give me to see it talent she doesn't do that but that's what it feels like i'm waiting for the other shoe to drop you know on that that she's just hanging out with him because she she says she's like an oceanography major at ucla but there's something about the fact that she recognizes the script and asks about the script immediately to me says "Mm." Maybe she'd like to do that instead. And there's no sign that she's an oceanography major either. She could be lying about that. It's just, she's a weird character who doesn't quite register. The first scene she has with Richie is kind of, eh. And then when she shows up later, she's just kind of part of the scenery. And then when she's sitting with Richie and they're kissing, it doesn't, it doesn't really register with me. I know this sounds like a lot of complaining. And I know what you're thinking. Dan, talk about Chachi now. Okay, let's talk about Chachi. We just see Chachi briefly in an opening scene, and they do that thing with Chachi that they did with Sit On It, where season three begins, and in the opening credits, oh, and I should talk about the opening credits, um, the new new shots and things like that. I'll do that for part three. I'll do that for part three. I will say one of the new, um, right before the shot, um, you know, you get that shot where there's an image, and then it starts spinning on the record, and then you get the cast, and now it's Joni in, as a cheerleader, and... Um, 
She looks great as a cheerleader. She's a very good cheerleader. I'll say that. But Pachachi appears in yeah. It's, it's a sit on it thing where in the in the first two seasons they never use the term sit on it. In season three, the opening credits, there's a shot of some graffiti on the wall. It's not terrible graffiti. It's more like Benny Hill style graffiti that just says sit on it. And then within the first couple minutes of was I think Fonzie moves in the first episode of season three, someone says hey. Potsy, sit on it. And the crowd burst into hysterics and a huge applause. And suddenly, sit on it became kind of a catchphrase, like a dynamite or something like that. Except, sit on it d- didn't earn its catchphrase status, which is probably why it sort of faded out so quickly. Um, you, you know, a catchphrase become what you talk about, Mr. Drummond becomes like a catchphrase and something to say because people hear it and they laugh and it's used again and it becomes something that reoccurs. Sit on it was something they never said. You first see it, this graffiti on this wall when it doesn't quite make sense. Sit on it, sit on what? But then when they say it in the episode, everybody laughs hysterically and applauds. Now, but why? What do they, why? What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. I don't get it. Sit on it, sit on what? It's, it's, it's a catchphrase that hasn't earned its status as a catchphrase, which makes it fascinating to me because I'm wondering how, how they did that. You know, I think I said this back in season three. Was it like someone said, oh, I, I want this to become a catchphrase. Well, you can't have something become a catchphrase. You have, no, 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 we'll make it a catchphrase. And so when they say sit on it, I would bet, this is just a complete guess, nobody laughed. So what they did was they added huge applause, huge laughter. So when everyone saw it at home, they were like, oh, sit on it. Oh, the crowd loves it. And then they do it again later in the episode, and the same thing happens. And then it became a catchphrase, not because it was popular or because it was a catchphrase, because the producers wanted a catchphrase. Chachi is a character because the producers, for some reason, want this character. When Chachi shows up, he's got his, um, he's got his Chachi ink bag. He's talking about, was it selling something what is he he sells uh does he sell liver or something to shrimp he sells shrimp he sold shrimp to al and arnold so we do see al briefly in the opening scene um did you notice that weird moment when they cut from they do the the, the dissolve the wipe from uh the arnold's to an like either the talent agent or his lackey says something there's big laughter and then all of a sudden you get the dissolve to the house and then like in the split second between the last line and the dissolve of the house there's like some random ah, applause that kind of comes up out of nowhere for a split second and goes away like a bad sound at it did you hear that go back and listen i think that happens again later in the episode there's a moment where they like fade or dissolve or wipe to another scene and there's some weird like for a split second ah, and then it kind of goes away but yeah, Chachi appears and he's got his Chachi ink bag and he's talking about he's got another scheme and he sold some shrimp to Arnold and he's and he's up oh, there's your new boyfriend, Richie says to Joni and Joni and, and Chachi, Joni being taller than Chachi kind of flirt for a moment and then uh, Chachi uses his wah 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 huge catch. You remember how popular wah 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 was? And Chachi even has around his waist one of those change things, like in arcades, like you know, uh, and and um, he 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 shows up as a fully fledged character who the audience loves and who everybody knows and who I guess we're looking forward to seeing again, but who we haven't actually seen yet makes for a really weird scene because it doesn't appear in the rest of the episode. 
I don't remember whether he appears in the next episode. He might appear at the end of the next episode. And the thing with Chaji is that he appears in this scene and he's like, he's like all over this scene. Like, who the hell is this? Popular character who we've known and loved for ages, you know. Um, but the thing with Chachi, with the actors, Scott Bayo, is that this season and the next season, he will actually be doing other sitcoms. Blansky, or is Blansky's Beauty's over by this point? I think he's still doing Blansky's Beauties at this point. But Blansky's Beauties and Who's Watching the Kids are two short-lived sitcoms that he would be a part of in 77 and I believe in 78. Or maybe seven, yeah, 77 to 78. And I, I have to get the dates for you on that. Which means that in the next two seasons, Chachi will appear a bunch, but there will be long stretches where there's no Chachi at all. It won't be until, I believe, season seven that Chachi becomes a regular main character in the show. Um, so his appearance here kind of randomly and and who the heck is this? Why is he here? And, and the thing that makes it super weird is that after a couple minutes of talking with them, <sighs> Ralph and Potsy appear saying, we're um, going to escort. We're taking the Fonz up there. We're, you know, we're going to es escort him, uh, accompany him to California. Well, then why didn't Ralph or Potsy come in? during that scene and do um take chachi's role you know uh it's 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 such a weird scene because it's so shoehorned in there and it's so, and when it's over you're like who the hell was that is he going to appear again he yes he will appear again obviously um but it's a weird it's a weird scene the way they do it um just just the all the assumption that they put into this and you know there has to be a bit in it too just like with the sit on it we're like maybe the next day you know for every for every one person who was like sit on it have have you heard them say that before have you said that what does that mean um for every one person did that or who did like did you see that one character in the beginning that kid chachi what what the heck was he about he's got some kind of business he's got some kind of schemes he's flirting with Joni. he's got a catchphrase he's he's another cousin for the fonz what who is who is that for every like one person who said that there were a hundred people who were like sit on it did you hear that he really razzed him she razzed him with that <laughs> sit on it and there are a hundred other people who say like oh chachi it's good to see him he was such a, he was good in that scene i wish i wish chachi had been in that more i really do you know and someone else say who's chachi Ch the fonz's cousin you saw him he flirted with joni he's got his schemes he sold shrimp to al you know <laughs> so what what's going on who is who is this guy um, we will, of course, find out more about Chachi later, but um, I just love the way they introduce. I just love, I just love that fully formed, fully, fully fledged, fully formed character with his own catchphrase. Who the hell is he? Who knows? But we will find out. So there's Chachi. Uh, what else is going on in this episode? Yeah, the shark. Mister C gets one of my favorite scenes in it, where he's talking with the. Um, where he's at the Hollywood Palms Motel, or hotel, and he's talking. Or is it motel hotel? Uh, Hollywood. I just have Hollywood Palms written down here, talking with um, uh, the talent agent. Lauren Green shows up. It's great because at this point, this is seventy-seven. Bonanza had been off the air for about five years, and you know Bonanza had been on the air for what like fourteen seasons. And it was sort of if you look at the ratings overall in America in the sixties, Bonanza was kind of the most popular show on TV. You know, it was. From, from from like 1960 to like 1968, it was in the top 10 every year. 
I want to say it was almost in the top five every year, and it was number one like three years. So throughout almost every year of the 60s, it was top ten, more or less top five. At least three of those years, I believe three, it was number one. So overall, if you look at the shows, Bonanza is kind of the most popular show in the 60s. And the joy of it is that that would have been Lauren Green, obviously coming off the set of Bonanza. I don't know why he's dressed as his character from Bonanza rather than just Lauren Green. But if this is 1959, then Bonanza would have been on for a year, two years at this point. Would have been on for about a year or so at this point. year or two years at this point. And so for the time period, Bonanza wasn't huge yet, but it was well known. And it was, I mean, Bonanza was one of the first shows made all in color to sort of pitch color TVs. And... So people would have, in that time period, would obviously, Mr. C knows who that is. That's Lauren Green from Bonanza. Um, but people watching it in 1977 would have known him even more because Bonanza was over now, and it's a year to Gal- Battlestar Galactica. But, um, but yeah, so there's uh, there's that. I like that scene quite a bit. Um, for being such a contrived show, that's a really contrived scene, but it's kind of fun. Uh, then you have the, what, what else? Um, yeah, it is interesting because they talk about going to Hollywood, going to Hollywood, and they do pull up in front of uh, Paramount, um, the Paramount Studio lot and I've been on the Paramount Studio lot it's been a long long time ago but uh, I will say and I've said this again if you ever get a chance to get on a studio lot like an old fashioned studio lot like your Paramount, your Fox, your Warner Brothers your Universal um, it's so much fun just because um, they're really they're, they're this huge enclosed space and um, sort of like USC in this in, in downtown LA, hugely closed space, not always in the best neighborhoods, but when you're in there, there's so much security and there are guards there and all the different sets and the, the sound stages and the different like universal, all the different places you see that's just crazy. And you're, you're literally you're in a, you're in like a wonderful safe world and to just sort of walk around in it is a joy, is a real joy. And, and just to see how far they stretch too, like, like Warner Brothers, like the main entrance to the Warner Brothers lot. You know, if you come down, is it Barham Boulevard off of the 101 um, going north? Um, yeah, I think, right? No. Which way are you going? Uh, yes, I think so. Down Barham Boulevard. And you'll see the big Warner Brothers water tower. And then as you're coming down, you just see this huge sort of enclosed space with all the sound stages and everything. And then you pull alongside and you, you go in through the gate. And, and it's it's fantastic. It's a- epic. And one of the joys of it is that if you live in like Burbank, I've never lived in Burbank, but I have, I have friends who did. It's funny that if you drive around in Burbank, occasionally you'll like round a corner and suddenly you'll see like one of the far flung corners and edges of the Warner Brothers lot, you know what I mean? Because it goes on for ages. They built a lot before they built like suburbia around it. So there are moments, especially there's there's one there's one spot I always love. It's I forget it's Pass Ave, and I forget the cross street. It's not a major cross street, but it's not a small suburbany side street. And if if you if you're if you're going, um, give me a second. If you're going never east on Magnolia towards Burbank and you pass Buena Vista and you get to pass street is a pass Ave pass street take a right on a pass and you'll go down a few few you know suburban residential blocks and then you will hit a stop sign uh you will hit I think you'll hit a couple four-way stop signs but then you'll hit a 
two-way stop sign with a stop at pass, and then another road that's not quite busy, but it'll have some cars going in it. And I forget what road it is, but you will see three of the corners, I believe, are houses. And the fourth corner is like a huge wall, fence, gate with barbed wire on top, all covered up so you can't see in. And if you go take a left, you drive along it for some time. If you go straight, you drive along it with the, on your left for some time. And on your right is suburbia, and there's a Starbucks and a gas station, things like that. That is one of the far, far corners of the Warner Brothers lot. It's fun because you can... I think you can drive all the way along. You know, if you, if if you go from that point, you go from the from one of the main gates. You can just drive all the way along the edge of the lot just to see how big it is. And these these lots, these street lots, they're epic. They're huge, and they're going in the Paramount lot. And it it brought me joy to see that. And I will also say that the Paramount lot isn't you know right near the beach, so they're because they say we're in Hollywood. We're in Hollywood. Well, Hollywood is a part of Los Angeles County. Um, that is not really near the beach if you've ever been on hollywood and highland or, or or you know hollywood and vine it's not near the beach you can get to the beach um if you take surface streets it's probably gonna take you about a half an hour or more if you take the the freeway it's probably gonna take you half an hour or more to get there too but you're not if you're in hollywood you're not at the beach you're like i'm in van nuys i'm not at the beach i can get to the beach I can hop on the, the freeway here, go on PCH, something like that, get myself, get myself down to the beach. Or I can um, go down to Santa Monica. I'm like, I'm wondering where they are in here. Are they in, I feel like they're probably in Santa Monica. Um, and I can get to Santa Monica, just, what is it, the 101, the 405, then I think it's the 10. And then you get off Santa Monica, 3rd Street, 3rd Street um, Promenade, park the car in the parking garage, go out onto the promenade, and like two, three, well, 3rd Street. You're on 3rd Street right there. And 1st Street is the street right by the water if you go the other way away from the beach you'll hit fourth and fifth but if you go you just hit second first oh there's the water more or less more or less um but i think they're at santa monica they're not they're not in hollywood most of their time is not spent in hollywood the the, the motel they're at is if, it, if if the motel has a sign leading you down to the beach it's not in Hollywood, because that that if if there were if it were in Hollywood, that would be a sign leading you um, down to the beach, and you'd be getting on some sort of shuttle or um, maybe subway or something, and then it would drop you off at the beach. You you're nowhere near the beach if you're in Hollywood. Um, and I just I want to look up Hollywood Palms real quick. Well, there there is a Hollywood Palms Inns and Suites on Sunset Boulevard, but it looks a little gamey. I don't think that would be where the studio would put them up. It looks like it's just a. It looks like it's a it's hotel motel. I forget. I keep forgetting if it said. I I wish I'd written it down. Hollywood Palms. I'll get. I'll get to you in the next episode. But it's a place where you stay when you're from out of town, and Hollywood Palms. And because it has a sign saying the beach, and because you see Joni in her bathing suit, and they're all in their bathing outfits, and it says beach, it's not in Hollywood. It's probably. I would bet it's Santa Monica be my guess um and then well let's talk Joni in her there's a lot of stuff to talk about here let's talk Joni now I want to talk about Joni in her bikini I know Dan you're a perv but um this, this is actually relating to something in the, in the previous um season um so this is this is podcast stuff and I wanted to talk about me and the beach and beach parties so, um, I mean, one of the things, too, with the fact that it is all set at the beach is that um, I, I think there's an episode in season nine, the se opener of season nine, they go to a lake somewhere in Milwaukee. But just the fact they're on the beach is a nice vacation from where they would normally go, be in Milwaukee. They wouldn't normally be at a beach in Milwaukee. 
I mean, they could be if there's a, there's lakes for them to be at. But I mean, we had Lake Ontario where I grew up. But that is one of the fun things about the episode. But let's talk real quick. Um, Joni in her bikini. You see her kind of almost flash her dad in her bikini, and he's like, "What?" And she um and and when she does, it, it it's interesting to me because when she does, she looks great. Maybe a little too tan. I worried about maybe she was out in the sun too long. Um, because when you see her spinning as a cheerleader, she's kind of like color-wise. She's sort of less tan. And she's like more tan, maybe too tanned. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know what I'm talking about here, folks. Um, well, I do know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to talk about something else. Uh, so the crowd, there are wolf whistles. When she opens up her robe, there are wolf whistles. There are cheers. There are years. Even Mr. C's like, Marianne, Joni has a figure. Remember in the previous season when she's wearing a bikini and she kind of does the same sort of flash thing and she looks great in the bikini, but for like four or five seconds when she's just standing there, instead of hearing, whoa, whoa, you hear. And it's really weird because you expect to hear people going, yeah, this is a sitcom. You expect to hear, I mean, think of, think of Kelly Bundy and all the time she showed up in her assorted outfits throughout Married with Children. Didn't matter what age Christina Applegate was, everyone was cheering and yelling and wolf whistling. But it's weird, and I said this when we watched that, talked about that episode, it's weird because the moment she does it, you can like, you can hear wolf whistles and yeah, and things like that, but you can't actually hear it. So in my mind, like I said, in my mind, it was Gary Marshall was watching them do it. They were watching them um, monitor the laughs, softening some laughs here, adding some extra laughter here. And they got to that. And he was like, hmm, take that out. So they like silenced, removed the laughter from the, that, that brief time. So when you think everyone should be going, yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing too. You would think Joni would want that too. You know, she's, how old is she? She's meant to be there, like 15 or so. You would think, like, when she shows off herself in a bikini, she wouldn't want everyone to sit there going, mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm, I understand, yes, okay. You would think she'd want people to go, wow, and glasses to go, whoa, whoa, and eyeballs to pop out of heads and things like that. Um, so it's a really weird moment in that episode. But here, it's just like, let's do it. We're in Hollywood, you know? It's gonna be, it's gonna be nothing but teens on the beach and bikinis and bathing suits and things. So, she right here in the in the Cunningham living room, it didn't fit, but on the beach in Santa Monica, wherever they are, it fits. And so people cheer and they howl and they wolf whistle, even though she's only a few months older than she was in the previous episode, and she's still underage. So. So that, and like I said, though, unfortunately, she doesn't really do much for the rest of the episode, which is really weird. Because um, you think it would, it would, you think they'd have some fun. I, I almost worry that the reason why we're not spending more time with Joni is they're, I, is they're going to uh, where the boys are us. Now, now I don't, I don't mean we're going to go full on where the boys are, but they're going to like maybe Joni will learn a lesson about hanging out with the wrong crowd or something like that. And I, I much prefer that we just see Joni having fun. Um. And we don't we we see Joni having fun, but we don't spend much time with her. We just see like random shots of her having fun, and we're like, "Oh, good, Joni's still having fun," rather than like a more extended plot line where she specifically isn't having fun. So I I guess I prefer that they did it the way they did it, but it would have been nice to have a little more of that because it it does I mean it does have that summer thing too where. Like, you know, you're at summer camp, and it's just like, you're at summer camp, or you're on the beach during the summer, and, like, all bets are off. 
all bets are off. You know, when I when I was you know you're in high school, like 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 she is, and like presumably I guess the guys are there. Like all bets are off. It doesn't you know it doesn't really matter who you are, what you are, how old you are. I mean, obviously you can't be you know you're not going to be ten or fifty. Um, but 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 you know when you're out there and you're you're having a good time, who cares? You know, and you just it's it's a summer thing. It's only going to last for a few days, and then it'll be over, and you go back to the regular stuff with crowds of people who won't wolf whistle at you when you're wearing a bikini in your living room. So that that's part of the thing to me. I mean, I mean, I, I don't you know maybe Richie could have found a better gal. Sorry, sorry. I, I'm you know maybe the Fonz could have not dressed in those baby blue bathing suit that looks like boxer shorts and I just keep I, I keep thinking you know just like the, the problem I have with those fonts the problem I have with those is that since they look like boxer shorts forgive me since they look like boxer shorts if you like sit down in sand or something or like in mud and stain the back of that to me that's going to look embarrassing because it's one thing to be wearing a bathing suit and get mud on it or dirt on it uh, you know that you can wash off because they, they they wash off, but those those look like boxers, and those look like if you sit down in mud or something, it's gonna you're gonna get a big old stain up the backside, and it's gonna be embarrassing. I mean, I was just so worried for him that you know like there there'd be a scene where he was like, "Come on, girls," and he'd walk away from everyone and had this big stain on the back of his shorts, and everyone would laugh at him, and I don't want that happening to the Fonz. Um, so let's let's wrap this up. I, I had more to talk about than I thought. I've, I've been in my mind. I'm just going through segment by segment. I'm sure there's stuff I've missed. Like I said, Ralph has his takes an ironing board as a surfboard. Um, people at the at the at the um, at the campfire. He 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 and he goes overboard with the um, shark. There's a shark. And Pazzo, you know, gets singing, and the ladies look at him, and uh, Ralph goops up something with the um, the boat where they water ski and pulls the lifeguard. Um, uh, thing you know the thing that the life lifeguard chair uh, thing that the lifeguard sits in like into the water you know and there's plenty of shenanigans and slapstick like that and there's some fun stuff with Mrs C having her body completely wrapped up because she sunburns so easily and and Mr C being called a chowderhead by one guy and then a chowderhead by some kids and saying I think I know your dad and hunting down Marion's hat I'm always surprised that during that final sort of weenie roast um, campfire that Mr. and Mrs. C are there. I don't know why they're there. I mean, they're there because obviously they're part of the cast. But it's funny to see them. Like, you see all the kids there. You see the Fonz there. You see them all with their gals. You see them all hanging out. And there's Mr. and Mrs. C. As like, huh, what? You know, I know, I know like in beach party movies, you know, like when they, whenever they have a... Well... Whenever they have, you know, the campfire scenes like this, I, I you rarely see, like their parents hanging out there so I thought that was a bit weird <laughs> but but whatever you know I'm trying to go through everything I can when I cover the episode here so I'm just doing one more thing and that's um um so I love the beach party movies the seven beach party movies and you know assorted beach party movie, movies off to the side go back to the beach is wonderful I'm a big fan of Catalina Caper never steal anything wet um you know in the um you know, and the uh, beach party adjacent movies, like um, the one where they go skiing and was it Fireball 500 or whatever it is. The ones that look like beach party movies, seem like beach party movies that like goes to Drags or Apollo, but are in different loca- locales like skiing or, or racetracks. Um, but, but funny, I'm not a huge fan of the beach myself. I, um, I don't mind watching folks frolic on the beach and having nice times. I'm not a huge fan of the sand is what it is. I love the water. I don't like the sand, and I think that's because when I was growing up, my mom would always go ballistic on myself or my sister if we got sand in the car 
or like somehow tracked sand in the house you know so it'd be like um okay we're all done everyone wipe yourself off rinse off in the shower there okay let's get home okay all right everyone out of the car and who got sand in the back seat of the car what is that about what did i tell you I told you that I wanted you to wash off and I didn't want any... Oh, sorry, Mom. Sorry, Mom. You know, and it became after a time, it became like, uh, Dan, Dan, come on, we're going to the beach. Mom, I don't want to go to the beach. You go to the beach without me. Come on, Dan, let's go to the beach. We're going to have fun. It's really hot out. We'll go down. You'll swim. You love swimming. We'll get some ice cream. Your cousins are going to be there. Mom, I'm scared to go to the beach. Why are you scared to go to the beach? I'm scared of the sand. Why are you scared of the sand? I, I don't want to bring sand into the car you're not going to bring sand into the car don't worry about it you'll rinse off and everything will be fine i'm scared mom i'm scared of the sand come on we're going to the beach and it will go on like this for a little while it would end usually with me you know leaving my room my mom would say come on let's go we're gonna have fun it'll be great and she'd put her arm around me and give me a squeeze and i'd smile and giggle and She'd say, you know, we're going to have a great time. You'll get some ice cream. You'll play with your cousins. It'll be fun. You know, and as long as you don't get any sand in the car afterwards, I won't yell at you. And by that time, I'm already in the car, you know, about to get in the car, you know, so there's nothing I can do. So the, be the beach to me is a place. I mean, maybe if I went down to the beach now, well, I probably wouldn't go right now. But if I went down to the beach now and hit the sand and everything, I'd really love it. Maybe, maybe if it was like, we did for a time, we had a big van, like a suburban van, and this was, this was before my dad died. It was his van, and after he died, my mom got rid of it. So we only had the cars that we went into throughout most of the eighties that I got sanded. But he had a big suburban van, and he would pile the kids in the back. So who cares if you got sanded? It was a big old van, and you know you could you'd have to sit there with ice cream and sand and have a great time getting home, and then you 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 know, wipe off before you went in the house. But yeah, that that's what it was. We had like a big old van or something like that. Then I'd be okay with that. You know, if you could maybe like just put, like like when I'm done, put me in a sack, throw me in the trunk of a car, pull me out of the trunk, and just like dip me in a somewhere full of water or spray me down, sanitize me, so get the sand off me. I don't know. But yeah, that's why, like I said, I love watching people frolic on the beach. I love the water. I had some fun times on beaches, but beaches are not my thing just because I I have that, that stigma that goes with it. I, I have other things like that that are sort of forever ruined because I think, oh, I'm not doing that because of this. Hell, it took me forever and as an adult to get to the point where I could call up like um, pizza places or things like that and order food because when I was a kid, my mom, my, my dad would always do that. My dad died and my mom would do that my mom uh you know met my stepdad and they would you know they would order the food and then one day they said well you do this danny you call and so i called and i got something in the order wrong and the person on the other end yelled at me and i got really flustered and then when i got off the phone my mom and stepdad kind of yelled at me i was like i'm never calling anywhere for pizza or anything again if i have to call it ain't gonna happen okay and uh, luckily, I was able to shed that by the time I hit my early 40s. Uh, so I'm okay now. Luckily, no one in, from Milwaukee goes to California seems to have that trouble. They're, they're gay and carefree throughout, so it's fantastic. Um, so that is that is Hollywood's part one and two. That is the opening episode of season five. Again, it's, it's a fun episode. It's great to see everyone in a slightly different location. Uh, I think there's a little too much going on, and it all gets resolved a little there's a little too much going on and it all gets resolved a little too pat 
you know, like the Fonz is going out the first thing, but then Richie gets it. So the Fonz is mad at Richie, but then he's not. And then, you know, so now the next episode is Richie going to stay or not. And there's, there's things like the, um, you know, like the slalom, the water skiing slalom. Um, you know, I like to think of it as a precursor, Jerry Paris precursor to the climax of Police Academy 3, back in training, which I'd like to watch this afternoon. I might, I might crack out the Blu-rays. Um, but but the thing about the slalom, the way they shoot the slalom is, okay, we got this slalom, and the way they shoot it is, you, you can't tell what's going on. You know, it's, it's it random cuts of a boat, random cuts of the water skier, random cuts of the crowd cheering, and then at the end it's, oh, he got this, he did this. And then the Fonz does it as, oh, the Fonz tied. How do, I, how do we know? Because they told us. Not because we saw them do anything. I mean, at least when we got to jump the shark, we'll see them do that or not. Yeah, it's it's a bit for me writing wise. It's really contrived, and there are a few too many things that kind of come up, and are either resolved way too easily or kind of happen like too easily. But maybe the episode will work better if it had aired during the summer, rather than rather than it rather than when it aired in September. I don't know, but um, it's a fun episode. I don't. I don't know if it's one I'd recommend to people because it is atypical, um, but it's a fun, charming episode, and seeing them out and about, knowing how popular they were at the time, and seeing them out and about makes it, um, makes, it a, makes it a good time to watch, even if, yeah, the, the writing is really, really contrived. But let, let's see where we are next. Um, the next episode, Richie decides his fate, um, and Fonzie may or may not jump a shark. Yeah. All right. This was Rockin' All Week with you. A Happy Days podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Season 5, Episode 1. Um, next up, Hollywood Part 3 and Hardcover. Or is it Undercover? I forget. I don't have it with me here. But, um, yeah, the next episode will be... Oh, both interesting, interesting episodes. Um, so that, that will be the next episode. And, um, yeah, be good to yourselves, everyone. And listen to this. Friday, happy days. Saturday. What a day!